It's the ironic blessing, and uh, it's words that you have heard before. We're going to deal with that tonight. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if you've been attending this church for any length of time, you will have experienced that at the beginning of each worship service and at the end of each worship service, the pastor will lift his or her hands and pronounce, or, and pronounce a greeting or a parting blessing. And for many, this is an integral part of the worship experience, and if it were not to happen, then somehow things would seem incomplete. And so there are those over the years who have told me that while they may miss the point of the sermon or it didn't make any sense to them or while the music did absolutely nothing for them, yet it was the blessing that allowed them to go forward into the week aware of the Lord and his presence. And of course, from a Reformed perspective, there's a very good reason for including the greeting and the blessing in each worship service. Namely, this is a worship service. And a worship service is an event at which the Lord gathers his people and speaks to them communally. Worship from a Reformed perspective is based on dialogue. God speaks, we respond. God speaks, we respond. So if you take the order of worship as you find it even in the bulletin today, you can see something of that dialogue that's on the go there. And so the thinking is that when we gather in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, when we gather in the presence of the God of the Covenant, it's rather presumptuous for us to have the first word. Even in the presence of royalty today, one needs to wait to be spoken to before a conversation can begin. And so it is with the Lord. The worship dialogue begins with the Lord having the first word through the pastor, lifting his or her arm and bringing a greeting such as we heard tonight, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and Jesus Christ, his Son, through the working of the Holy Spirit. And likewise, at the end of the service, it's the Lord who has the last word. Again, a blessing of some sort in which the pastor lifts his or her arms and pronounces the benediction as it has always been called. That word benediction is a Latin word that simply means good word. And so at the beginning of the service, we are greeted by the Lord, and at the end of the service, the pastor pronounces God's good word to his people. Notice I've used the word pronouncement or pronounces or another word we could use is declaration when a pastor opens the service with his or her arms raised and speaks a word of greeting and when the pastor closes a worship service with a benediction please understand that it's not a prayer not a prayer 
but it's a pronouncement. That's an important thing to understand. There's a difference between a prayer and a pronouncement. A prayer is a request from us to God. Lord, we pray that your name be hallowed, that your kingdom come, that your will be done, and so forth. But a pronouncement is a declaration or a statement directed our way. In prayer, we make statements to God. In the greeting and in the benediction, God makes a statement to us. And so the opening and closing words of a worship service is a speech from God to us. And that's important. In fact, it's one of the reasons why it's appropriate to stand where you are, to not be walking in while a blessing or while the benediction is being given, but to stand where you are and to look at the pastor with your hands lifted as the blessing is pronounced. As one writer put it, quote, it's not wrong to bow our head or close our eyes during the benediction as long as we understand that it's not a prayer. It's not a prayer. One of the humbling and exciting official acts of ministry, as the Christian Reformed Church has defined it, is the giving of the greeting at the beginning of each worship service and the pronouncement of the blessing at the end of each service. The church order of the Christian Reformed Church in North America, Article 53, talks about certain acts of ministry. Among them, the pronouncement of blessings for the people We are part of the ministry of Christ to his followers and are entrusted to the church and within the church to its ordained leaders. So unlike the deacons and the other elders, ministers, as people ordained to that office, have been officially designated to be the mouthpiece of Christ. And therefore we may proclaim and pronounce the blessing of the Lord. And I remember, yeah, it's been quite a few years, but I remember looking forward to that privilege as I approached my ordination, and it's something that's really looked forward to by all pastors today. But the idea that we, that I can be a mouthpiece for the Lord himself can be somewhat intimidating and somewhat frightening, to say the least, certainly something not to be played with. Well, as we close out 2018 together and look forward to 2019, it is thought only appropriate that we focus today on a couple of parting blessings as found in Scripture. And so this morning, Pastor Amanda took us to Romans 15 and the hope that we have in Christ, a hope that returned, that points to the return of Jesus. And tonight, we are dealing with that blessing, blessing given to Aaron a blessing from the Old Covenant as recorded in Numbers 6. And this blessing that we just read a moment ago is perhaps one of the best-known parts of Scripture, words that we have often heard at the end of many a worship service. And as I hope you will discover, wonderful words with which to end the year together. In the book of Numbers, the Levites and the priests were given their job descriptions, namely to look after the tabernacle and the offerings and the feasts. They were instructed how to look after the spiritual life of the people of Israel, how to keep the people of Israel safe from being defiled by sin and impurity and foreign nations and everything that was unholy. 
And as they were being taught all these things, the Lord also taught the words of the blessing as found in our text. And if they truly was to receive all that the Lord promised in that blessing, they would be a holy people, people bearing the name of the Lord. It's a blessing that the Lord gave to Aaron, brother of, a brother of Moses, and the first appointed and anointed high priest of Israel. It was a blessing that Aaron was to say to God's people every time they gathered for worship, and it was a blessing Aaron's sons were to say to God's people as well. It's an old covenant blessing that is stated yet even today as God's people gather under the new covenant. And it's quite the statement, quite the speech from the Lord the priests were to pronounce with their arms lifted over the people. And these will also be the final words that we're going to hear tonight as we close out 2018. If you have it before you in, in uh, Numbers 6, you'll notice that the structure of the, of the priestly blessing is simple. And yet at the same time, it's filled with meaning and filled with hope and filled with protection. These were words that were not just randomly put together. There are three lines. Each of the lines contains two verbs. Bless, keep, shine, be gracious, lift, give peace. One scholar wrote, quote, the repetition of the name Lord or Yahweh three times expresses the great mystery of the Godhead, three persons, yet one God. Furthermore, it's believed that the expressions in the separate clauses correspond to the respective offices of the Father, to bless and to keep us, of the Son, to be gracious to us, and of the Holy Ghost, to give us peace. So our triune God is looking to bless his people, unquote. It's fascinating when you really study this stuff. Other scholars have noted that there's a progression in the number of the words from one line to another. For those interested in the progression, it's three, five, and seven. There's a progression in the number of consonants in each line, beginning with 15, 20, and then 25. It's fascinating. Then, as yet another scholar indicated, if you remove the reference to the Lord in each line of the blessing, then in the original Hebrew, you're left with 12 words, which he suggests is an intentional reference to the 12 tribes of Israel. Drawing that out, he suggested, in other words, this is God's pronouncement for all of his people. And such a reference to the fullness of God's people is found elsewhere in the Bible. For example, in the New Testament, whenever the 12 tribes are referred to, such as in Revelation 22, it's a way of referring to the whole of God's covenant people. It's a reference to the whole of the church all over the globe. And just to reiterate whose words these are and who's doing the acting, the Lord or Yahweh is included in each of the three lines. It's the Lord who does the blessing and keeping and shining and giving and so forth. So as mentioned earlier, Numbers 6 verses 24 through 26 is a well-worded, good word pronouncement by God 
by Yahweh, by the Creator, by the covenant God of Israel, to all of his people. And an announcement that was to be repeated time and again, and an announcement which is fitting as we close out another calendar year in the service of the Lord. But now let me dig just a little bit deeper into that good word pronouncement and take it line by line because there is some wonderful, powerful imagery here. The first line, the Lord bless you and keep you. In the Hebrew language, this first line, if understood literally, has the image of bringing a gift to another while kneeling out of respect. The extended meaning of the word bless is to, to do or to give something of value to another. So the picture that you kind of get there is that of the Lord stooping down to our level, so to speak, providing for our needs, giving us good things. A true king would do that. A true king is one who serves his people, one who will humble himself, come to his people on bended knee. It's amazing, amazing imagery that reminds us of the manner in which Jesus humbled himself and became like us in every way as we celebrated at Christmas. The Lord bless you. And then the concept of keeping comes from the imagery of shepherds constructing a hedge of thorn bushes around where their flocks would be kept safe from predators while the shepherd would be gone overnight. It's a reverence to that, reference to that proverbial hedge of protection that people so often pray for. So God's good word to his people in the very first line is something like this. To my people, to you, I say, I, the Lord, will come down to your level, kneel before you, and present you with gifts or every good thing. Emmanuel, God with us. And I will protect you from the enemy. As Paul writes in Romans, nothing can separate you from my love. No one can snatch you out of my hand. You are mine, and I am yours, and my name is on you, and you have my word. How's that for a beginning? Secondly, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The reference to the face of the Lord is a reference to his presence or to his wholeness of being. In other words, we receive all of his attention. God is never distracted when dealing with his people. And that concept of then being gracious to someone in some way carries with it the idea that when we are gracious, we're responding to a felt need. The fact that the Lord is gracious to us speaks of the fact that God understands our real need. As Isaiah put it, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our, to our own way. Indeed, the testimony of the scripture is that no one is righteous, not even one. 
And so unless we experience God's grace, unless he's gracious to us, we will be lost. The Lord be gracious unto you. The declaration that God is gracious speaks to us of the gift of salvation in Christ Jesus. Jesus, Emmanuel, becoming like us, giving his life for us. And so this second line of the good word from the Lord is that the Lord promises us wholeness of being, as it were, giving us his whole attention and then not destroying us in judgment or paying us what we deserve because of sin, but he's instead, he's a gracious God, removing our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west, to use the words of Psalm 103. And all of that, of course, was accomplished through the sacrifice of Jesus. Hallelujah. What a savior. What a pronouncement. What a blessing so far. And then finally, the third line, the Lord turn his face toward you or lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Again, the imagery of this line is the Lord turns the wholeness of his being towards us and gives us his attention. The Lord looks up, as it were, from what he is busy with and gives us his attention, his undivided attention. So great is his love for his people that he looks upon them and is not distracted and then grants us peace or shalom. And that concept of peace or shalom here is much more than simply the end of any sort of conflict. We often think of, a peace, we often think of peace as a situation in which we live where there is no war or any, con or any fighting. But as Deuteronomy 28 suggests, this includes a whole lot more, this concept of shalom. Basically, it speaks about what things are going to be like in the kingdom of heaven. There will be justice, righteousness, peace, contentment, a close relationship with the Lord, and renewed relationship with the creation, and so forth. Peace is that all-inclusive word that speaks about a glorious future and a wondrous restored relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ, a restored relationship with all God's people, and a wondrously restored relationship with the creation. The peace given in Christ is the undoing of the curse of sin. Shalom speaks of wholeness and of all things made new. And so God's good word to his people in the final line is that he will give us his full attention. He will make all things new and grant us shalom. What a wonderful good word from the Lord. As one preacher put it, quote, this is God's final word to us in the covenant assembly of worship. Those who belong to him are not under judgment but under his grace. They're not objects of wrath, but objects of his love. The benediction is the holy announcement, not a prayer, holy announcement that we are sealed with his name and our whole life is covered by his grace. And that's certainly something that we need to hear again and again each week and as we come to the end of yet another year. After all, we live in a world where 
Lots of things are uncertain. None of us knows what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or throughout 2019. Any number of things can befall us at any given time. The preacher again, quote, but whatever may happen in your life, whatever may be your set of circumstances, know this. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ will be with you. It will be sufficient for you. It will hold you, sustain you, even enable you to rejoice in tribulation. It will strengthen you, establish you, keep you, and cause you to persevere to the end. It will see you through and cause you to attain the resurrection from the dead. This is God's word to you in the benediction. And so each time we come to the end of another worship service, or each time we come to the end of yet another year and face the future, hold out your hands, lift your face, receive God's pronouncement, God's blessing, God's assurance. And as one author put it, let it drip like honey. Receive the word. Receive the proclamation. Experience its sweetness. And then go on in your life. Or go on into 2019. Knowing that the Father is with us now and forevermore. Amen. Father in heaven, we praise you for your sweet, sweet proclamation that we get to hear at the end of every service. We thank you, Lord, for these words of assurance that you will keep us, you will protect us, you will grant us peace, shalom, and you can do that because you are, fa are faithful, God and Father. Lord, we pray that we may indeed soak up the sweetness of what all of that means. Soak up the sweetness of the gospel and then live it out in our daily life. As we are prepared to enter 2019, we pray, O oh Lord, that we may do that fearlessly knowing that you will walk with us to the day when Jesus will come again and make all things new. What a wondrous hope. What a wondrous promise. What an incredible truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.